So hello, uh, you're listening to a special broadcast of Chronically Chilled. My name is Mario. Um, so this is a special broadcast um, just to, I guess, honour and celebrate the life of our dear friend Maurice, who recently passed away. So Maurice um, was a co-founder of this show and also co-presenter of this show as well. Um, but 3CR listeners or people that visit the station may also know Maurice just from her volunteer work on reception and just kind of being around the station and helping in terms of radiothons and all that kind of stuff. So I'm joined by two people um, and friends of Maurice. So I'll let you introduce yourselves. Okay, so I'm Lee. Um, I'm Maurice's friend from the Cardiomyopathy Association, which is a support group for people with cardiomyopathy. Um, I have cardiomyopathy, um, as did Maurice. And we first met at a lunch um, of the association about five years ago and became good friends, um, along with Loretta, who's sitting next to me. Yes. Um, hi, I'm Loretta. Um, I also met Maurice at the Cardiomyopathy Association. I actually met her at one of our meetings. Um, and I remember distinctly because I could hear someone sniffling behind me and uh, Maurice was in the row behind me and she was very upset. She'd just recently been diagnosed and uh, she was uh, talking um, in the meeting about some of those feelings and her experiences in hospital. So um, most of the people in the Cardiomyopathy Association are over 60. Um, so it, because I was 40 and Maurice was 40 around that age, 35. So we sort of gravitated to each other after the meeting and um, swapped numbers and um from there, yeah, we went on to meet Lee at the um, at the dinner that was like an annual dinner or something that they had for the association. So, yeah, that was my first experience with Maurice. So it sounds like you three formed a really kind of special friendship in that group and kind of continued that outside of the group. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we're three women around the same age, mm. all of us having had um, heart problems to the extent that we needed a defibrillator implanted. And that's a pretty shocking, um, excuse the fun, uh, pun, uh, <laughs> thing to uh, have, do have done. So uh, I think um, though we, we were a diverse um, threesome, we really clicked and we formed quite a close and um, intimate and trusting friendship. And um, yeah, we continued to meet regularly after that first meeting. So uh, it was, and support each other through, through sort of various um, medical and other things that happened in each other's lives. So, yeah, it's much appreciated to have the opportunity to be here and talk about Maurice and, yeah, pay tribute to her. Yeah. Um, I guess um, the three of us also have chronic illness ourselves, so this has actually taken a bit of a while um, just because of our own experiences of being unwell and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I met Maurice just in training um, for, like, like, to be broadcasters for 3CR we just volunteered at the station. We had no idea what we were going to do with 3CR. And it's just, I don't know, It was we just kind of sat next to each other and we just shared all these similar experiences. And not just that, but historically, I think we figured out we would have been going to the same nightclubs when we were like 18 years old. And it was all these kind of things that just kind of matched. Um, but I guess for me, like, as soon as I met Maurice, I kind of remember her just having lots of struggles kind of with her health, but also just this really fierce advocate for herself um, and just really being really passionate about 
making sure she's getting the care she needs and the care that she's kind of deserved. Yeah, definitely. So I think anyone with chronic illness knows that you can't be a passenger in the process. You have to drive um, your treatment. And um, Maurice learnt to do that over the time since she was diagnosed to do that more and more. And uh, it was one of the really beautiful things about the friendship was just mm. watching her learn to do that and get get even stronger, like you say, mm. um, and more knowledgeable and more determined and, and to have, despite the reason that we're here and obviously, you know, um, she's passed away, she had good success with that advocacy. She really got results um, th- through, through her own efforts. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, what I really learned and experienced um, in my friendship with Maurice was definitely that you could push back and you didn't have to accept everything that the medical system was pushing at you. Mm. Um, The first four or five years after my diagnosis, I didn't know anybody who had the same condition or had even a chronic illness really in the same way. So um, I really was, I think, at the whim of the medical system and I did, there was a lot of times when you know, I had hospital stays and various things and I, I felt like I was not in control of um, of how things were going and that caused me a lot of anxiety And also, but also I felt like they were not really understanding what was going on with me. Mm. And um, through meeting Maurice and, and Lee and having those conversations, I really began to understand about the management of my condition because we talked together about things like fluid management, which is quite big for the kind of cardiomyopathy that Maurice and I had and... Um, and um, things like that where they, that can be the difference between a hospital visit and not having a hospital visit. Mm. And um, really, like for me, the goal was to stay out of hospital. <laughs> so if um, I think it's for everyone, <laughs> really. Yeah. It's not fun. The food's really gross, even though you can get Uber Eats delivered to your bed now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also when you're there, you, there's so much waiting and I think the waiting causes a lot of anxiety as well. So, yeah, I mean, both Lee and I visited Maurice when she had quite long hospital stays at times and um, – she she was really um, really good at working out um, and pushing them to make decisions and um, move along with her care and things like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And alone, like she did, she did it alone as well, which I just and I think from my experiences, like I, I think I learned from Maurice that the, there's a real gender aspect to kind of how the hospital and the medical system kind of treats people. So I some of the things that she was telling me just around that gender stuff was something that I had no idea about because I had never kind of experienced that, which means that she had to even advocate even more and to really kind of push back. Yeah, for sure, because um, I think the medical system is still really patriarchal and mm. it's still um, really dominated, particularly in cardiology. Like <laughs> they're nearly all male doctors that are totally. seeing you all the time. And I'm, I don't doubt that they have the best intentions, but they have a way of relating to people mm. that is um, – set up in in that kind of patriarchal system so often they're talking down to you they're lecturing you and it's not really getting you on board when people are speaking to you like that so I mean I think some of that stuff was definitely there and the other issue for Maurice and I have the same issue is being a person that is not in their ideal weight range um, means that you're often copying it uh, that somehow you've caused this issue Mm -hmm. whether or not I mean the doctors directly understand that these um, conditions don't necessarily happen from lifestyle issues, the kind of conditions that Maurice and Lee and I have. But um, in general, though, that you are sort of getting that if you just lost weight, you'd feel better. And that is not easy for someone who can't exercise to get their heart rate up. 
and um, is really restricted in the kind of foods that they can eat. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, that that's a really hard thing because you live with guilt a lot. It pushes guilt onto you and I think Maurice had that at times and that was something we talked a lot about at our, our dinners and drinks over the last few years. Yeah, we, we did. I actually, the last time I went to the cardiologist, my GP read his letter to me and he had said um, uh, something about weight management and alcohol restriction and the GP mentioned it as if that should be something that he'd spoken to me about, but he never mentioned it to me. It was just the standard line that he put mm. on the bottom of the letter. Um, so I had no idea what the GP was talking about. I don't drink alcohol and uh, my, my weight's not outside um, the range that he'd want so it was it's just almost like a standard thing and and they have no idea of the impact of that on the level of guilt that you then feel um and and the questioning am i contributing to this and maurice definitely did um think about that a lot and as yeah it was something that made her condition harder than it needed to be for her i think and I, I think that kind of speaks to the toll of it that even though she was this she was an amazing advocate for herself like it, that stuff does take a toll still Yeah, and that's why having good friends that you can have a laugh with and um, who understand and who aren't going to judge you is really important. Having a community uh, or getting in touch with the community. I Mm. I mean, I don't necessarily think the Cardiomyopathy Association was going to be the place where I found that, but I luckily found friends there that I was able to um, continue that with and that's really important. Yeah. So tell me about these famous dinners that you've had because I know like Maurice always used to talk about, oh, we caught up with, you know, Lee and Loretta and all that kind of stuff. So how did that start and, yeah, like tell me about it. Well, it, it started off with just coffees and, you know, we're sort of three people that didn't really know each other very well but very, very quickly when you share a health condition with someone the conversation gets extremely real and mm. um, uh, I, I think we've talked about it gets into blood and bowels and uh, all sorts of um, other stuff. So, you, you know, if you're willing to share, and fortunately we all were, um, you get to know each other quite well. And that's mm. where those dinners went. Very often um, a lot of conversations about bodily functions um, <laughs> wouldn't necessarily want to be overheard by people at the next table um, just trying to have a casual meal and <laughs> didn't need to know our uh, yeah, latest Um, Yeah, I remember um, because Lee and I both had defibrillators and uh, Maurice was quite anxious about getting one because, Mm. you know, for people who don't know, it's like a metal box in your chest. You have a scar and it's sort of like a constant reminder of of something that you have going on. And um, her doctors wanted her to have it. She had some... um, heart rhythms that were pretty dangerous and so um Maurice Lee and I used to say to her you really need to get one and we we spent I think about two years (laughs) trying to talk her into it um as a safety net for her um and um so we we did do a lot of like touching of each other's boxes our defibrillators and um comparing sizes and scars and yeah um, and it's funny because I, I still find this, like if I mention it to my friends or family, they go, oh, and they get all squirmish and they don't want to look at it or touch mm. it. But it's actually part of me and I'm not expecting that they will change, but it was quite a relief to have other people who are like just not mm. really seeing it in, you know, they, they see that it's part of you and they understand it and um, they have that relationship. So, yeah. Mm. I actually had to be a little bit careful after we had gotten so comfortable with each other and, you know, looking at each other's scars and feeling it, then I was at a... Uh, another dinner and someone said to me can you feel it there 
And I said, oh, yeah, sure, feel it if you like. And they weren't asking to feel my chest. (laughs) They were wondering if I could feel it. You know, we'd sort of gotten comfortable with people looking and prodding and comparing. So, yeah. Um, I guess just from my experience, like um, when I heard that Marisa passed away, even though I knew that she'd been having such a really hard time over the last few years and I knew that she was really sick, it came as a huge shock still to me and it took me kind of I think I'm still kind of processing it in some ways and I'm just like it's I she just seemed like someone who would just keep going to me um I don't know what your what your thoughts are about that but I just kind of thought that she was someone who was just gonna always kind of get through and that she would be okay kind of stuff and I think I'm kind of struggling with the grief of it all around like you know not having given her even a thought that she might pass away I I agree. I think there were times when Maurice was very, very sick and I was mm. worried about it, but it wasn't now. Um, she, she wasn't. She was. Um, she she wasn't as unwell as she has been, which mm. is what has you know made it even more of a shock. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Equally, I was completely shocked um, that she passed, and um, you know we'd been texting the week before, and she I was in hospital, and she was offering to come and visit, and. You know, so I, I, she, I knew she'd been working a lot, and that her life was in a good space, and she'd gone through this major surgery that she'd been worried about for a long time, and mm. recovered from that, and so was doing better, and yeah, and that was really hard, and I guess in some ways, like, I felt so unprepared for Maurice not being here. Yeah, um, that's and, what I mean. And yeah. that's what happens with sudden death. I've experienced that before, but. I guess in some ways it's a lesson for us. I feel like I need to, like I really do feel like a sense I need to get my my shit in order. (laughs) I really need to get my will done or a a care plan. I don't want it to be so hard for all my loved ones if I pass away that they don't even know passwords and things that, you know. And Mm. I I know Marise, she would never have contemplated that this would happen to her. No, she she was so full of plans. Um, This wasn't on her radar. Um, So... Yeah. Mm. yeah She'd was. actually booked a cruise um, overseas. So, mm. and, and, you know, we, we sort of like, Maurice was a bit fearless. Like I would think, oh, my God, are you going overseas on a cruise? Is there a doctor on the boat? Do they have access to read your defibrillator? <laughs> like these are all the things that go through my mind. And Maurice is like, oh, I'm going on a cruise <laughs> around the world for three months or whatever, you know. Yeah. I feel like that's something all three of us would have shared. Maurice just had so many plans. Yeah. I want to do this and I want to do this. And I'm like, Maurice, like, you're, you seem pretty sick. Like, do you want to have a rethink of like that? Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing the same. I'm doing this kind of safety planning. You know, are you going to be okay to do this? Are you going to do that? Like, it's probably something all of us shared around that. But she just had, she just wanted to kind of do all this stuff. And it was, I found it quite, um, I think for myself, because sometimes I kind of am a bit risk adverse and would kind of say, no, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, it kind of challenged me to sometimes just to step out and am I, should I give things a go or shouldn't I? Like Maurice really was kind of, I guess, pushed me to kind of just have a think about, you know, can I do more at the mm-hmm. moment, even though I am kind of going through some stuff. 
Mm. I think the key too is not to ask your doctor sometimes. No, totally. I would always, like I remember my partner, I wanted to go to Fiji and I was saying to my doctor, I want to go to Fiji. And he's like, you can't go to Fiji. There's no defibrillator, blah, blah, blah there. You can't go. Go somewhere else. Go to Queensland. And then like literally two weeks later, Maurice, who was much sicker than I, went to Fiji and I was like what? <laughs> why like did you what did your doctor say and she said oh, I didn't ask my doctor <laughs> I was like oh that's what you do <laughs> yeah 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 just don't ask permission just do it, <laughs> just, yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, just do it um I guess you know when you say that Maurice was just out there and doing what she wanted to do and not asking for permission she was really achieving a lot more than perhaps I expected that she would at mm. some point at some points when she was really unwell, so she was working full-time. I never expected her to be doing that at this stage. Um, she had her dog, Sprinkles, that she absolutely loved, her Labradoodle, who was full of beans. Um, she had her own apartment, which was great, and a really wide and really diverse circle of friends who really loved her. So this is someone who was really unwell, but she was really living a great life. And mm. I just, yeah, I... Um, find it so respectable and inspiring what how she was um, managing her illness really and yeah mm. yeah I think um in relation to her time at 3CR as well like she wasn't able to work at that time and her and I went for a, a lunch down the street in my lunch break and she brought it up she said I might volunteer at 3CR and I said we'll come meet the volunteer coordinator and she really threw herself into mm. doing reception shifts and she was very friendly and really understood the importance of community. Um, she'd done a lot of social work and so she was able to deal with all sorts of people from different backgrounds without, you know, judgment and all sorts of mm. things here, um, which, you, you know, you're sort of the front line at reception, so sometimes you, you need to be able to do that. And um, even I'd never expected that she'd do the radio training course and go through and do all of that stuff either. And, <laughs> did I? and she, did, she did all that and also... Um, yeah, she had different groups of friends all over the place that she maintained those friendships with. And, and what I really loved is, you know, sitting across the table from her, you never had to force conversation. She Like mm. it was quite easy to be with her and um, she would just chat with everyone. You yeah. could hear her voice talking at reception, you know, the same yeah. program as each week. Oh, how are you? And remembering things about them. And yeah. those people in the community, often people don't see them, but they're such like the gel and they're in communities like ours at 3CR where people come and they really need to connect. Yeah. Um, Maurice was really great at that. Yeah. She's a natural. Yes, she is, yeah. And I, just from my observations with her at the station, um, I probably didn't see her as much as you did, Loretta, but um, she just used to connect really easily with everybody. And she's just like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? I'm like, no. <laughs> but she had these really great relationships around the station and I remember walking in with her once and, just everybody's just really, you know, hello, how are you going and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and I just remember her smile. If I just think of Maurice, I just remember her smile yeah. and just that really friendly smile that kind of, yeah, I think it brought on connection as well for people. Like, Yeah. And, I mean, not to go too deep into it, but Maurice was suffering some real issues in her personal life mm. as well. She was in a not a good relationship. And during the time, you know, there were literally times when she was in hospital and, had nowhere to go when she left hospital um, in terms of safety and those kinds of issues. So um, she really was, I guess that's something Lee and I have talked about for the, the medical profession to understand some of the context of stuff that's going on in people's lives. Totally, yeah. Um, I mean, they can get the social workers on board and stuff if you ask for it, but often it's hard to admit to people what's really going mm. on and 
for a long time, Maurice didn't wasn't able to talk to people about what was going on mm. in her relationship and um, it took a, you know, I mean, brave's a hard word. I think bravery means that she did a hard thing even though it was hard and so, you know, she really did do the hard thing which was to come out about that stuff and to seek support mm. um, to find a better life for herself. So, yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention about was the word compliant. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, as a person who has a chronic illness, um we and they're dealing with the medical system, I guess, just to think a bit about um, in relation to Maurice, how often when people are saying, I don't want to take those fluid tablets or I didn't take my mm. medications or all those kinds of things, the doctor's right, you know, your patient is non-compliant. Um, and I guess, Lee, I, we were talking about this recently and I felt like you had a really good kind of input into what that actually means, yeah. Well, I think it's doctors use it as a catch-all for a behaviour, um, but they need to stop using that word as far as I'm concerned and start looking at the causes behind the behaviours. And someone might um, have one or two drinks when they're not supposed to have any drinks or eat salty food when they're trying to manage their fluid or drink too much fluid or not take a tablet in the morning when they're supposed to or something for a host of different reasons and just saying that person's not compliant and then moving on as if it's some choice rather than something else going on like... um, motivation you know can be impacted by so many things Mm -hmm. um you know grief as you say your domestic situation um you know just a a million different a myriad of different things can be happening in your life and to have a catch-all for the medical profession to just label you as compliant or non-compliant it it, i think is so unfair and it should the the word should go out of the lexicon Mm -hmm. i get why they do it that um but it it nothing is as simple as that branding um and unless they look to understand the causes behind non-compliance it's not going to change anyway because they can't address address it so um and this isn't to say that maurice was non-compliant there isn't a person on earth that is doing 100 percent of what would be right for their health i mean no one would live in cities we have smog in cities so should we all move to the country um so you know every person does something that they would then be able to be labelled as not doing the right thing for themselves. Mm. Um, the doctors need to look beyond that, and yeah, I think, and it's easy to say the doctors, but I think just some more awareness would help. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and then then they miss the strengths of people as well, because if they just kind of got this binary of like compliant or non-compliant, they're missing all the strengths and all the things that people are doing to look after themselves and kind of the context of it and I think you was talking before Loretta about Maurice had a lot going on mm. privately as well and if you're just kind of going compliant non-compliant takes medicine doesn't take medicine you're missing all the context and stuff which yeah. means that you're not providing um, as good as care as what you can be and things like medicine like you know some of us are on like 20 tablets a day or something and that's actually like a really big job to manage making sure that you've got your script up to date that you're um, putting your order through to the chemist that you, you have the money to pay for it. Um, yes. You know, if you're um, you're not working and you can get some help, that's great. But if you're on a low income, it's very expensive to, you know, these medications can be $200 a month. Um, and, you know, so it's a full-time job. And if you don't like just thinking about that kind of stuff, and if you don't have secure housing or all those other things, maybe not secure income, it's very difficult to remain compliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like people, I think, who don't 
understand. And I think that's why when we all come together, we kind of just find it really useful to talk to each other is that when you're got an illness or chronic illness, whatever you want to call it, um, it's not just the body that's impacted. It's everything, like everything, your socioeconomic circumstances, your ability to kind of work earn money, all that stuff. So it just, it, there's so many layers to it and stuff. Yeah, and I think yeah, like you were saying with the compliant, non-compliant, it just it's it's just this little part of it all, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and you're right in that it does um, just just put put elements in a box rather than focusing on the strengths. So, you know, if it was for for me personally, if I'm non-compliant, I might have a glass of wine at night, but I am really good with my drugs. Mm. But that is never mentioned. It's only the deficit that might be mentioned. Mm. Um, so. I think there's benefit in just accepting the whole person or not accepting but focusing on the whole person rather than a coverall that says this person's compliant or non-compliant. No one is 100% compliant. It's just whether you're honest with them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of our time. Um, I guess I just wanted to put it out there to you both if there's any last kind of thoughts that you wanted to share or... Oh, I guess I just... I would like to mention Marisa's family. So one of the things that um, she'd talk about as giving her a lot of joy was um, time that she spent, um, particularly recently she went to a movie with her dad. I think it was the first time they'd been to a movie together, so that featured on Facebook, and um, going to the football with her brother. Um, and she'd recently um, gone to a Phil Collins concert as well with her brother. Um, so, yeah, she would... Um, she would comment on those and I know that they she loves spending that time so you've been listening to a special tribute um, for our dear friend Maurice um, thank you so much for listening and we're going to end um, with Phil Collins Anytime you want